Good job, Pete. Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Goodness me, people come to your front door. Is that the best you can give them? Well, just turn around and walk away. Take some Prozac. So depressing. All right. Life. Jesus died and rose again. Yes. Don't ever forget that. Hey, great to have you all here this morning. This, uh, t- today is a very um, important milestone in our journey as Elevate Church. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but exactly six months and 15 days ago, we became Elevate Church. So it's uh, traditional in my household to celebrate somebody's six month and 15 day birthday. No, it's got nothing to do with anything. But uh, we want to just to take a little bit of time out um, of uh, our regular kind of teaching and preaching schedule to, to look at really what, what the, the big rocks are over the next 12 months for us as a church. One of the things that uh, it's important for us to realize is God builds according to patterns. God isn't a God of chaos. God is a God of order. God isn't a God of just make it up as you go along and anything will do. When, you know, when God uh, instructed Noah to build an ark, he didn't just say, Noah, oh, whatever you can come up with. You read about the specs that God gave Noah on that ark. It was to the absolute detail because he had a purpose in mind and he wanted Noah to build according to a pattern that was going to achieve his purpose. It was never a random thing. The same goes with the temple. You read about David and Solomon. God gave them very clear instructions, and they went and stood before the people and communicated those very clear instructions about the pattern that God had given them. God gives a pattern because he wants to ultimately achieve a purpose. And one of the things that I'm reminded of every day of my life is that Jesus only ever promised to build one thing on this earth. He didn't promise to build schools, although I think schools are important. He didn't promise to build hospitals, although I think hospitals are important. He didn't promise to build roads or houses. or He didn't promise to build anything. He promised to build only one thing, and that was his church. He said it this way, I will, not might, not hopefully, he said, I will build my church, And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the thing that Jesus promised to build his church. And I even want to go a little bit further in this and put it out there. What may come across as a little bit of a bold statement. The most important thing that you and I can be a part of is partnering with Jesus, aligning ourselves with Jesus to see that promise that declaration that he made that he will build his church to see that fulfilled. That's the most important thing you and I can be about. In fact, Paul wrote to uh, one of the early kind of pockets of the church in a place called Ephesus. And he wrote to them what actually may be a little bit, a little bit of a head scratcher because he wrote this, this kind of declaration to them, picking up from Jesus saying that he will build his church. He wrote some of them that, that in this day and age, and I wonder if it had even had a similar effect back then, but in this day and age, what Paul wrote to this church in Ephesus, in this day and age, I think has the potential to stop us in our tracks. Paul wrote to them, 
And these words are true for you and I today. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. That is a challenging perspective, right? And, and I just want to say this to you, and I don't say this to you as any sort of criticism, but, but I would encourage you from this day, as we leave from here, to actually ask yourself the question, is that your perspective? Because if you're not convinced that the church is not peripheral to the world, but the world's peripheral to the church, if you're not convinced of that, how the Jimmy does anybody in your sphere of influence going to be convinced either? That this isn't just some tack on, that church isn't just something that, that weak people do because they need a crutch, that church isn't just something that you go to because there's nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. But actually, this is something that we give our lives to because we want to be used by Jesus to see that declaration that he will build his church fulfilled. In fact, he says, we are Jesus' body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Jesus didn't have a plan B. Jesus doesn't have a plan B. It's the church. We're it. Plan A and the only plan. And the challenge for us is to, is to understand the pattern that he would wants us to build, elevate church by, and then to give everything. We talk about being all in. As Elevate Church, we are all in. Well, what does that look like? What does all in look like? How many boxes does that require? And how do we best tick those boxes? One of the things that we're very mindful of is that too many priorities... Too many things, too many choices, too many selections can actually be quite overwhelming. Have you ever experienced that? Remember the first time uh, I took Louisa to Melbourne, my wife Louisa, we took her to Melbourne and I'd been to Melbourne many times before and I'd been telling her about this place uh, called St. Kilda. So it's not just a football team, sweetheart, though she didn't even know that it was a football team. Uh, it's a place and uh, there's a street in St. Kilda called Ackland Street. And one of the things that Ackland Street, St. Kilda, is famous for is, is dotted along Ackland Street is a few uh, cake shops, okay? And I told her about these cake shops. I said, you just, you know, you walk up to the window and there's just like literally dozens and dozens and dozens of rows and shelves of cakes. And then you walk in and there's walls and walls and walls of cakes from the floor to the ceiling, shelf after shelf after shelf. There's display cabinets, cakes and biscuits and you know anything you can even think of from all across the world. If it comes under the, the general banner of cakes or biscuits, there's guaranteed you'll be able to find that in Ackland Street, Melbourne. And, uh, you know, Louis uh, at the time had a pretty sweet tooth. And so this was like going to be the absolute highlight of our trip to Melbourne, going to Ackland Street and, and, and just having all of the choices you could imagine to be able to say, that's the one I want. And to take that and to go and sit out in the sunshine and eat your whatever you chose. And so we walked in there. And now, first of all, it's difficult because if you're only going to choose one piece of cake or one biscuit, you're first confronted with the need to, to, to narrow down your selection of shops because there's three or four shops. So uh, we walked up and down the windows past these three or four shops before Louis decided which of the, of the shops seemed like it was the best. Okay, so we you know, took the plunge and we went into that one and there it was. Just 
shelf after shelf, wall after wall of cakes and biscuits and things you've never heard of, things you have heard of. Or you could have as many as you want, the size, the color, the everything. And uh, the moment came and Louie made her choice and I walked outside and, and I said, honey, wow, you know, what did you, what did you get? And she sheepishly uh, reached inside this little uh, brown paper bag and pulled out a little Anzac biscuit. Like the ones you buy at Coles in packets. Little Anzac biscuit. Not even the ones you buy in the tins, just the packets. Sweetheart, why did you just get an Anzac biscuit? He says, I was just overwhelmed. I couldn't decide. He says, just got an Anzac biscuit. One of the things that, that I've observed in too many churches is and I'm not being critical, but it just forces me to ask the question. If there's too many choices, it's difficult sometimes to sift through and find out and determine what's the priority. So at Elevate, we have landed, we've distilled things down to just five Elevate priorities. We call them our Elevate Essentials. And you've got a progress report uh, in uh, near you or on you or under you. And uh, that's actually... Um, laid out in these five Elevate Essentials. And I'm not going to speak to that directly. It's there. Take it away. Have a read. Be inspired. But I want to just drill down into each of these five Elevate Essentials. Now, the, and these are actually in no particular order. They're actually all important. And one of them, one of our essentials is our live experience. That's what we call what we do here this morning. We, we don't call it a service because I don't know why anyone does call it a service. I've asked. No one can tell me. So we call it a live experience where we as a church come together, experience God, experience one another in a live setting. Hopefully everyone around you has a pulse and so does Jesus. So we call it a live experience. And this is a really, really important expression of what we do as Elevate Church. Okay, This isn't the only expression, but it's a critical expression. And I remember uh, probably about three, I think that's actually my phone ringing, which is, uh, you know, I need to tell myself off. At least I had it on vibrate. About uh, three, four weeks ago, Pete Goodall, who was just up here platform leading, he uh, had a work gig over the weekend. And so he wasn't part of our live experience, which is very unusual. Uh, he and Carlene are very, very committed here. But he was, this particular weekend was away with his work. And so we caught up on the Monday and Pete said to me, you know, how, how did our live experience go yesterday? And, uh, you know, he was really, he was really interested to know. But the answer to that question depends solely on what the win is, right? Like if you asked somebody, how did the Eagles go yesterday? Your answer rests purely on whether they won or lost. And if they won, you would probably say, yeah, they did good. They won. And if they lost, you could say, well, they didn't do so good. They lost. It's a very easy answer. How did the Eagles go? How are the Dockers going to go today? They're going to win. We know that. Okay. It's as simple as that. Win, lose. There's a measuring stick. Pete asks me how our live experience went. What's the win? How would you answer that? Would you say, well, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. It's good. Yeah, music was good. Good. Yeah. Had a saxophone. Pretty cool. Uh, preaching was all right. 
Five out of ten. Um, coffee, yeah, yeah, coffee. Nine. It's good this week. What is it this week, Neil? Well, it's nine and a half, nine and a half, the coffee, you know. Now, these could all be things that I could say to Pete. Oh, yeah, met a couple, you know, a couple of people that were right. Didn't go over time, 10 out of 10, whatever. And we need to know the answer. What's the win? Pete asks me, how did it go? I say, well, I need to know what's the win. How did it go compared to what? Well, compared to the win, compared to the goal, compared to the target. And we define a win in our live experience as to create a compelling environment that guests will want to come back to. That's how we define the win. So when Pete asks me the question, how did our live experience go? I answer it relative to this. So I have to think about how many first-time guests did we have? I have to think about how many of the first-time guests from the previous week actually came back. This is not a win if first-time guests come and they never see them again because they hated everything. Not necessarily a win. And uh, we have three live experiences, three of these environments, big environments. Our adult live experience, that's us here. Right now, once a week, 9.30 to 10.30 on a Sunday. It won't always be 9.30. It won't always be once a week. Hey, it won't necessarily always be just a Sunday morning. But the point is, right now, this is our adult live experience. Going on right now in our big hall and our small hall are our kids' live experiences. And, and they're not out there just to keep them uh, from uh, you know, making too much noise and distracting us you know, for what's important. They're out there getting what uh, you know, tailor-made, specific uh, ministry to and among themselves, brilliant. And then just recently, Elevate Youth, we launched our Friday Night Live, where apparently there's a little bit of uh, biffo, and uh, some of the older guys, a little bit soft, can't take it. <laughs> but it's happening. And these are, we're, these are designed to be compelling environments that first-time guests will want to come back to. So when Pete asks me, how did it go? I measure that by how many first-time guests did we have and how many of the first-time guests from the previous week came back because they wanted to come back because there was something that compelled them to come back. That's the measure. That's the win. And so out of that comes two questions. First question, how do we increase the number of first-time guests? How do we, as Elevate Church, over the next 12 months, increase the number of first-time guests? Well, I'm going to come back to that. Let me ask a second question, and this is a question that consumes me. How do we create a more compelling environment? And again, is it better music? Is it better preaching? Is it better coffee? Is it better kids' environments? Well, you know what? It's all of those things. Like your home's an environment, and when you bring a guest in, you will focus on certain things, certain moving parts to create an environment that they'd want to, you, you know, you'd hope they'd want to be, uh, feel welcome. And that if the opportunity came again where you invited them, they'd say yes for a repeat visit. Well, the same here. You know, we've got things that we do very, very deliberately, very intentionally, targeted at first-time guests to create a compelling environment. But they're not the most important ingredients. I mean, you know, people can get great music everywhere. iPod, iTunes, concerts. You know, this isn't, this isn't going to be our best play. Great music. I will say, though, by the way, I believe that churches should be breeding grounds and attraction grounds for the best music. 
We, we, we're created in the image and likeness of God, the creator. And so there's something that's in us that should be and can be creating the best music. Not saying, oh, it's only church, so it's allowed to be crap. No, we're created in the image and likeness of God. And we should be reflecting that. Absolutely. But to think that it's just good music is going to get it done, going to create a compelling environment for a first time guest. No, because they can get great music anywhere. Great coffee. Well, thankfully in Perth, the bar has been rising over the last 10 years and it's now easier than ever before to get great coffee. So we're not going to necessarily create this compelling environment that first-time guests want to come back to just by improving the quality of our coffee. The key ingredient, I would contend, is what Pete was talking about before, what each one of us contributes because when jesus said i will build my church his plan was for him to build it on the contribution of you and me not some nebulous i will build my church abracadabra hey presto rabbit out of the hat there's the church but actually the continuous effective quality contribution of you and me that is how we create a compelling environment. I mean, you think about it today. Uh, the Dockers are playing, I think, bounce down to 1110. Okay, 1110. Why is it 1110, Stewie? Tailor made for Eastern States television viewers, probably. Anyway, 1110, the Dockers bounce down, and uh, Matthew Pavlich is, uh, is scheduled by the coach to, to start in the position of full forward. 1110 bounce down, Matthew Pavlich. The Dockers, full forward. Just imagine that Matthew Pavlich decided to turn up at 11.20. Bounce down to 11.10. Matthew Pavlich is scheduled to start the game at full forward. Just imagine if Matthew Pavlich turned up at the ground at 11.20. Would that make any sense to anybody? Do you think the coach might be a little bit, I don't know, upset? Concerned? Frustrated? Do you think Matthew Pavlich will be the... And then just think about this. So Matthew Pavlich turns up at 11.20 and he didn't bring his boots. He hasn't come prepared. And, and, and then take it even one step further. Not only that, Matthew Pavlich, he knows the game starts at 11.10. He knows he's scheduled to start the game at full forward. But he, at 11.20, turns up without his boots and goes and sits in the grandstand. Alongside the other spectators. Would, would, would that seem a little bit absurd to anybody here? Would it seem a little bit bizarre? Of course. Doesn't make any sense. Because he's a player. He's meant to be a contributor. And the only reason I make that metaphor is, is actually a lot of people see themselves as being the Matthew Pavlich that turns up late, sits in the grandstands and doesn't come prepared. And it's the complete opposite. God calls each and every one of us not to be a spectator, but to be a player. To, to take our place on the field, to bring our best, to come prepared, to be on time, to be leaning in, to saying, what value can I add? And if we think we're the spectator and not the player, we've got it completely around the wrong way. That's true for you. That's true for me. And at Elevate Church, our code is that we're contributors, not consumers. And I loved, 
about uh, four weeks ago at our Elevate group. On this particular night, there was, uh, there was a few people away and so on and so forth. So our Elevate group on this particular night was Baden and myself uh, having a bit of bromance at uh, Baden's house. And we're just hanging out, sipping on some red wine. And one of the things that Baden said to me, and it was just, we were just freestyling. He said to me, every Sunday, I'm there. I'm there every Sunday at our live experience. And he said, you know why? He goes, now, now they have a family holiday every now and then. And, and Baden occasionally travels for work. But, but when he's in town, he's here. And he said to me, he said, Mark, when I'm not there, I feel like I'm letting the team down. Now, if I'm the coach, just taking this sporting metaphor one step further, when I hear that from a player, I know I can build on that. I know God can build on that. Not just being there, but I'll tell you something else. Being there early, being there adding value, leaning in, taking notes. What do you got for me, God? Encouraging other people and so on. I love that. Baden's a player. He's not sitting in the, in the stands, turning up late, forgetting to bring his boots. <clears throat> Elevate teams. Pete's already talked a little bit about that. We have a goal of 80% of our people being in an Elevate team. 80%. That's actually our goal. We, we, we have a goal of 5% first-time guests, every live experience, by the way. 5%. So... I try to, when I'm preaching, do a little bit of a nose count. People I haven't seen before and do a little bit of mathematical averaging to see if we've got our 5% every live experience. We have a goal of 80% of our people serving in an Elevate team. And uh, again, this is this idea that we're not spectators, but we're players. We're meant to be on the field, adding value, helping that win that we talked about. And not only just turning up, but the quality of our contribution matters. How effective, you know, oh, it's just church, it doesn't matter. We serve a living God. Paul wrote to the church, the early church, he said, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as if you're working for God, not for people. Be great in the marketplace, be great in your church contribution, be great in every single setting. And uh, some, of the, uh, some of the poster boys and girls for this, for, for me, uh, as the, the leader here at, at Elevate, is our media team. Now, our media team right now is woefully understaffed. Okay, we have three people of our media team. We should have about eight and growing, but we have three right now. And I love the three media team members, our, our current media team members. You know, they've actually got two things in common. I was thinking about this during the week. Our media team, three med current media team members actually have two things in common. Number one is that they're all part of the media team. And that's one of the things they have in common. The other thing they have in common, you might not know this, is that right now, none of them drive a car. <laughs> now, one of them doesn't drive a car because he doesn't own a car. Uh, the other two don't drive a car because they don't currently own valid licenses. Okay. I think the expression is lead foot, but anyway. And uh, two of those three, the ones who own cars but not valid licenses, um, both, l I think the official term is lost their, no, actually I think the official term is being temporarily disqualified from driving uh, in recent months. And do you know what? Since that fateful day, where uh, a flashing light appeared in the rearview mirror 
and uh, a demerit notice appeared in the mail. Uh, those, not, not one of those media team members have ever missed, ever missed being here for when they've been scheduled on. And they're, and they're the first to arrive on a Sunday morning. They're here setting up, getting things ready. When some of you, your alarm hasn't even gone off. And that's not a criticism. That's, what I'm saying. that's the role. But they haven't used that as an excuse for not being here. Oh, I, you know, I have to take a six-month break, Mark. Oh, why is that? Oh, I'd rather not say. They are here. Public transport, bicycles, and uh, it is phenomenal. And not just uh, our live experience. I'm going to brag about Annette for a moment. We have uh, last Monday night, we had our team members all in night. We gather all of our team members a few times a year. And uh, we had our team members all in night. And uh, Annette, I believe, uh, had to, was, was actually chauffeur driven here um, by a Transperth driver. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, you take what you're given. You've got to look at the timetables and you just take what you're given. But rather than take the bus that got here five minutes late, Annette took the bus and she got here 20 minutes early. So the all-in night started at 7 o'clock, or 6.59 as I like to say. And uh, Annette turns up at 6.40 and walks in. And you know what she said? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm early. I had to get the bus. I'm like, sweetheart, I wish everyone took the bus, if, uh, if that's the secret source. But just this, this quality and consistency, God can build on that sort of spirit. God can build on that sort of dependability, reliability, consistency. And not only that, it's not just about turning up. It's about, which is about being faithful. It's also about being fruitful. And again, I'm going to brag about Annette. Annette, had, had, we'd, we'd observed that she'd reached a bit of a lid based on the training that she'd had for the, for the role Operating our audio, she'd reached a little bit of a lid and, 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 and would probably benefit from, benefit from a bit more training. Now, when someone comes to you and says to you, you know what, you're doing a good job, but I think you could do an even better job and uh, we're going to offer you some training, that's actually a hinge point in the journey, right? This happens in your workplace. This can happen when your wife says to you, I think we might need to go and get some counseling. These are some hinge points where you have a decision to make to either go left or go right. No, thank you. I'm I'm just going to keep it business as usual. Or, hey, really? Wow. There's an opportunity to be even more effective here. I'm going to go for that. It it might mean eating a bit of humble pie. It it didn't for Annette, and, and I'm not projecting that on her, but in fact, quite the opposite. We said to Annette, you know what? We think you're terrific. We, we love that you're dependable and consistent and reliable and you bring your best. How about if your best was made even better? If we actually started coaching you and training you in that role. And Annette, and that's, that's been about a, the last three or four months, she's just submitted herself to that, said, yep, I'm in, bring it on. And uh, Scott Downey, our other licenseless media team audio operator, uh, has been coaching her. And every Sunday, I said, Annette, that was terrific. You did great, sweetheart. And, uh, and she says to me, oh, I've, got a good, I've got a good coach. I've got a good coach. And she gives Scotty Downey all the props. And our music team will tell you that, that the standard is increasing there. And it just lifts the water level right across the board. God will build his church on that type of commitment, that type of spirit. Another Elevate Essentials is our Elevate Groups. This is the primary environment where we invest. This, sorry, elevate groups. 
is the primary environment where we invest. This, our live experience, is actually not the primary environment where we invest. Because investment is more than just hearing 20 to 30 minutes of biblical teaching. Investment is life on life. In the thrust and parry of circumstances and struggles and wins and pressures and losses. Life on life, that's where investment happens. That's the stuff that's going to keep us going and growing. Yeah, we do Bible study in our Elevate groups. Sure. But the investment is about the life on life investment. And uh, if you don't feel connected, if you don't feel like you're getting invested in or have the opportunity, opportunity to invest in other people, and you're not in an Elevate group yet, th- then it's all on you. It's as simple as that. It's all on you. We cannot force you. Um, but if, 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 if you feel like there's a sense of, you know, this lining up in rows thing only seems to be getting me so far, you know what? That's right. It will only ever get you so far. So we talk about lining up in rows and gathering in circles. That both are important. Both are vital. And, uh, and then it's actually even an opportunity for inviting people, unchurched and de-churched people. This, our live experience, is one way, is one environment where we would invite people and, and hope that they take a next step towards Jesus. But for some people, this isn't their shtick. It's, just not, it's not really going to scratch where they're itching. Yeah, no, no, thank you. But maybe a small group of you and your buddies, you and your fellow chicks, uh, hanging out in a coffee shop every couple of weeks, that might be an on-ramp. And it actually often is a better on-ramp for some people. And we've got people using that. Carleen uh, is uh, one of our poster gals for this. Um, she started launched an Elevate group uh, this year. First time that she's led one. And uh, she really took the time to pray about that. And, you know had a real strong sense that this is what God wanted for her and to do, to make her next level of contribution. And so Colleen launched an Elevate group for chicks every two weeks, Friday mornings. Um, and, uh, you know, how's that going, Colleen? Well, she says, uh, great. Got a FIFO chick uh, who's able to be part of that when she's in town and we've structured it around with her, with her swing so she can be a part of that uh, when she's here. And, uh, and then I've got a, a friend of mine, a de-churched friend, someone who gave up on church and, and, and walked away many, many uh, you know, months ago. Uh, and, uh, and I just reconnected with her and I've invited her to be a part of that. And we meet up at a coffee shop and, and I think, you know, this particular friend, this other friend who, who walked away from church, she's not yet ready, not even interested in coming along on a Sunday morning. But she's been jumping into Carleen's Elevate group. And God can build his church on that, right? God is building his church on that. Love it. Getting excited about this stuff? You're getting a bit convicted as well, some of you. I hope so. This isn't a pamper room. One of our other five Elevate Essentials is giving. And look, you know what? We talk about money and giving unapologetically here. We talk about money and giving unapologetically. Interestingly, so did Jesus. Theologians will tell you that about 60% of what Jesus talked about had to do with money and stuff. 
Because he recognized that, that money, unlike just about anything else, in fact, probably more than anything else, can get a hold of our hearts and actually take the place of what he wants to be in our hearts. That materialism can, can, can get its grips on our heart. Um, that, uh, that we need to increase our faith in giving. You know, we might be the people that think we never have enough. You know what? We want to be a church that, that helps you define a biblical perspective, actually, of what enough looks like. That we want to see our people have a kingdom perspective on finances. And you're not going to get a kingdom perspective on finances through the week. There is almost no medium, unless you go after it yourself and read books and listen to podcasts. There's no medium, there's no forum, Monday to Sunday, where we're going to be getting recalibrated in our hearts a kingdom perspective on finances. How to manage finances well. I sent an article through to Pete during the week uh, regarding our 12 to 25s and wanting to make sure that as we build this 12 to 25s ministry, that one of the most integral moving parts is we help coach and, and our, our 12 to 25s in how to manage money well. They don't get that from our existing prevailing culture. They get told that you're meant to spend 110% of what you earn. And we get told the same thing. And some of us have bought into that message. Some of us are living month to month, credit card bill to credit card bill, because we haven't yet recalibrated our thinking, our perspective, and therefore our actions in terms of financial management, in terms of the way God would have us. God wants us to live with freedom when it comes to finances, not bondage. And yet some, so, so many of us, not everyone, sometimes it's just circumstances that take you down for a season. I get that. But a lot of us, we haven't been taught biblical principles for financial management. And we're committed to doing that. We're committed to seeing you guys prosper financially and knowing why you're prospering. You're blessed to be a blessing, not blessed to have more and better stuff. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. In our progress report, when you read that uh, this week, have a look at our giving. I'm thrilled that our first 10% giving from last year to this year has gone up. And that means exactly what Pete was talking about before, that as Elevate Church is better resourced, we can say yes to God more often for what he's calling us to do. And then beyond that, you know, we talk about our first 10% giving being a goal and a minimum. A goal, if you're only giving 3% right now, over this next 12 months, maybe to think about stepping it up to 4% or 5% and make 10% the goal and then make it the minimum. Because beyond our first 10%, Pete talked about it today, we're building the future. We're looking at opportunities for spaces and places, bringing our current facilities up to a great standard that are going to be effective and physically compelling. And then beyond that, there'll be opportunities that come our way and we want to be resourced for that. Elevate Global. 
is another area. Beyond our first 10% giving is an area where we want to make sure that we stand up in our world, not just our city, in our world and make a dent, make a difference, stop kids from dying, giving a, a hand up to people in Indonesia who, who want to actually use the skills and talents that God's given them to, to provide for their family and to, and to better their communities. This is why we unapologetically say get involved in giving. Now, I'm, I read a lot of stuff on church leadership and blogs and so on and so forth. And one of the, 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 the practices in organizational life, in business life, is to benchmark. For, for a business, uh, maybe a business unit or an overall business or an organization, to, to look at where they are at and whatever the metric is, relative to another business or another business unit or another organization. And, and, and have an idea, are we above the average or below the average or are we about the average? And uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a mathematical and a statistical diagram. It's often known as a, a bell curve, uh, but it's more accurate term. Is, is, it's called normal distribution. That, that, that in most spheres, this would be what the distribution would, would normally look like. Where you've got your above average, on one end, but there's fewer of people that fit in that category. You've got your below average on the other extreme. Again, fewer people that fit in that category. But the big bulge in the middle, that's, that's, the, that's where the average, that's where the most people uh, kind of fit in most spheres of life. And I've got access to... Uh, Statistics on other churches, particularly Western churches. It's, I mean, easy to get them these days, the sort of statistics. And um, despite having access to sort of statistics that would allow us to benchmark ourselves against what other churches are doing and what's average and are we above average and, or are we below average, I make a rule of not looking. I, I make a rule of, of, not, of not benchmarking ourselves against other churches because God hasn't called us to be other churches. God's called us to be us. God's given us a certain mission. God's given us a certain pattern. And the only thing that I benchmark us against is how are we doing compared with what God's called us to do. That's the benchmark. And by the way, we don't want to be average. We, we don't want to be average. We, we, we believe in a God who promises that he can do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could even ask for or imagine. That sounds like a well above average kind of God to me. That's the sort of church. That's the sort of prevailing church. That's what God, Jesus, promised he would build. And how does he do that? Well, it's this. The fifth elevate essential is that you and I are committed to engaging with unchurched and de-churched people. Investing in them. At an appropriate moment, inviting them to a relevant environment, like an Elevate group, like a live experience. We, we, we want to see unchurched people joining our Elevate teams and making that their entry point and making a contribution just because it's something they love. We'd love to have unchurched people in our media team because they love twiddling things and making things work on computers and graphic design. And they say, oh, I'd love to, to get involved in that. People volunteer in our community for a lot more stupid things than church. You know, we want unchurched people in our music team. We want unchurched people in our hosts team. There's a few roles that we wouldn't uh, uh, permit as an on-ramp, but most roles, absolutely. 
And that's another thing. But we need to be engaging with, investing in, inviting, and then in an ongoing manner, continuing to invest. I've said it many times. I reminded our team members this morning of this. Two of Jesus' biggest problems when he was on this earth were crowd control and catering. He had too many people that wanted to get near him that oftentimes he had to actually escape and hide. And, and, and there were times when there were so many people that, that they didn't have enough food to go around. Jesus says that we are his body. We represent him today. If we, we are charged with representing him, we should expect the same challenges that he had. We should expect to not have enough chairs, to not have enough car parking bays, to not have enough space for our kids, to be running out of coffee every week, to, to, to be having these, these challenges, these, these problems. If we're representing him well, it's not a numbers game, it's a people game. Every number is somebody's father, somebody's mother, somebody you prayed for, somebody you engaged with, somebody you invited, someone you've been investing in. And when we see them make a decision to make Jesus their Lord, when we see them just step inside our auditorium for the first time ever, when we see them connect into an Elevate group, they'll show up as a number. But they're more than a number. They're a story. And over the next 12 months, our commitment is to say, God, we want to see more numbers and we want to see more stories, more of what you're doing in us and through us. But you and I, we play a major part in that. Jesus said, I will build my church. And he uses us. He uses you and me, our contribution at every level. These five elevate essentials as a, as a simple as we've been able to, to, to get it without chopping off some essentials. And so my challenge is, it's my invitation, and, and it's a challenge for you and I to just to go away from today and ask the question, which of these five boxes am I not currently ticking? Which of these five essentials am I not currently contributing to? And to, to make that your next step. And also within that, whether you're currently involved in three of those five, four of those five, maybe five of those five, to, to then continue to ask the question, how can I make a more effective contribution? What, what can I... How can I do what I do even better? If you're in a team, you say that to your team leader. How can I make an even more effective contribution in these next 12 months? I'm just putting that out there. Don't be Matthew Pavlich turning up to the game late and thinking that your roles to sit in the stands. This is us taking the field, taking our position, making our contribution, saying, Jesus, we love that you promised to build your church. We're not doing this on our own. Fantastic. We're doing it with a promise going ahead of us. Fantastic. And you want to do it through me, through my contribution. What does that contribution look like? That's got to be the question. And then to see more numbers and more stories. I'd love to be sitting here this time next year, the future uncovered, 2014, and just tell you story after story after story, parade story after, put videos, story. That's a win. That's a huge win. And uh, I believe that's absolutely what God would want. We've got a part to play in that. Let's pray. In fact, how about our team leaders come up? I actually want to pray for you guys because you guys are right at the coalface and our Elevate group leaders too. Let's make it a little bit 
beyond just our uh, Elevate team leaders. Just quickly, come on up, guys. Run, 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 run. Team leaders and Elevate group leaders, you guys know who you are. You guys are at the coalface doing the heavy lifting. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Good on you, Liz. Brilliant. And uh, some of these guys both lead an Elevate team and an Elevate group, um, which is fantastic. Let's pray for them, hey? Lord, uh, thank you that you call us to be used by you to build your church. Lord, these, these guys and girls standing up here on the stage have placed themselves right at the very pointy end of the field to say, use me to, 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 to take the position you've called me to take, to play the role you've called me to play, and to lead and influence the people around them, the team members, the Elevate uh, group participants. Lord, I pray for increased capacity in each and every one of these guys this next 12 months. Increased capacity. I pray for an increased ability to hear from you, Lord, to hear your voice, to hear your voice of encouragement, to hear your voice of instruction that would see them more effective over the next 12 months, Lord. Lord, I pray for each one of them that they would continue to have an energy that is supernatural, an energy that is poured in from above, an energy that infuses and infiltrates every dimension of their lives, Lord. And I pray that they will prosper in every in every dimension of their lives. I pray that their marriages will prosper, Lord. I pray that their relationship with their kids will prosper. I pray that their financial world will prosper and that that that, that the teams that they lead will 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 take up the same blessing, that the blessing will flow down, that that the team members and the elevate group participants will prosper because we are Elevate Church and we are all in in Jesus name. We pray. How about we just show some appreciation for all these guys too? Brilliant. Brilliant. So, guys, it's on us, all of us, these five Elevate Essentials. Take a next step card. If you're ready to to tick another box today, put it in our front desk. If you're not ready today, take a next step card, pray about it, or go online and, and, and take your next step. No one can say what it is for you. This diagram, it's not linear. It's Take your next step, add something, add more value. God, use us all in. We are Elevate Church. Brilliant. Tiger Mountain Coffee, approximately 5% first-time guests for you to meet. And uh, that's it.